Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. How are you guys doing? Welcome over here. This episode is sponsored by Upside. I am actually currently on my honeymoon. Yes, day one of the honeymoon. I'm doing a, an episode for you guys. I told you guys I would be doing them. And that's why the backdrop looks a little bit different. If you guys are new to the channel, this is not normal. But I'm going to throw this out there. What I was expecting with the whole Chinese-Taiwan tensions, they have actually came down a ton. They're literally housing crisis is a real thing and has dropped for the last 11 months straight, causing a bit of an issue inside their market as a whole. Like, I don't see any country wishing for a war when they're having an economic struggle like they are, like at home. Like, this shall, this is going to pass. I'm telling you guys right now, and the world's going to go back to being focused on Ukraine once again. If you guys did not know, Russian State TV actually had Steven Seagal on their program. And yes, for all of y'all living in America, I am talking about the one and only Steven Seagal. Like, yes, the actor. He apparently is inside of Ukraine filming a documentary on how bad the West is and how Ukrainians are, are apparently killing their own using HIMARS. Like, I'm going to go ahead and play a very short segment from a 10-minute clip that I, I did not like. It was a piece. I don't want to play near the entire thing because it's somewhat in, in, it's irritating to hear him talk because the, the Russians are going over. They're talking over the top of him. He's wearing, like, some weird outfit. I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know what happened to this guy. Very strange. Now, can we all just take a second to understand something here? The Russian government is literally using Steven Seagal as their expert in BDAs, like battle damage assessments, and the HIMARS. Yes, the actor. He literally said he was 1 billion percent sure it was a HIMARS strike because he was he's seen so many of them. He's seen high HIMARS debris before. Like, is he, is he trying to, like, it's, it, anybody with a half brain could literally figure this out. It's, it's twisted metal, which could be caused for multiple different things, with, like explosions, for one. Like he's, he's, he's talking about the area inside the Azaz prisoners where they were killed last week. Russia was claiming that they were actually taken out by HIMARS. And the, the one in fact, that's that like, come on. Do you guys really believe that Ukrainians going to want to kill their own men that are sitting inside of a, a prison camp? Like he's, he's literally making a documentary. Of, like that's the goofiest thing ever. Steven Seagal is inside of Ukraine making it like, what, what is this world coming to? And he's now the, the, the main guy that they're going to, the Russians are going to, to get, <laughs> to get their high, like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. And you guys remember a few days back when the Ukrainians hit the Russians fairly deep inside of Crimea? Well, since then, a Ukrainian official did come out. He was saying that it was done by Ukrainian soft working deep behind enemy lines. And I said it was, an, it was honestly probably not true. Like I said this, and it was likely done by HIMARS. Makes a little bit more sense. Well, it seems this has became like apparently a controversial topic within Ukrainian community, I guess you would say. They're claiming it's done by soft using C4. Okay, I'm going to go and stick to my guns here and say I still believe it's done by HIMARS, even though both sides for some reason are really bickering. So I know I'm not sitting in Ukraine watching this go down, and neither are the people that are actually claim this, because I'm, I'm totally sitting in my honeymoon right now, making these crusty episodes. So I'm fairly invested in this war a bit more than most. But I'm going to go over a couple details here, since, since it's pretty obvious. But the attack was carried out in broad daylight, on a weekday, in the morning, 
and it's going to take about a ton of C4 literally to pull this thing off. Like I saw a few that would not be bringing in this much C4 for one to take out airplanes and or just to leave a massive crater in which, by the way, those craters were roughly 10 meters wide. That takes roughly 500 pounds of C4 to do. It literally would take roughly two pounds of C4, by the way, to, to be thrown into the cockpits not just randomly tossed throughout the airfield to make these craters. Like the thing here is, if it was carried out by men on the ground, the, the consistency of if each plane's damage would be roughly about the same and not being like super random like, like it is. And each one would be destroyed. Like someone, some were actually destroyed, some were fine. I'm not trying to downplay, by the way, what the Ukrainian military has done. But if I see something that isn't true... And it's trying, somebody's trying to push an agenda. I'm, I'm going to at least say something about it. You know, I got to keep my validity on the subject pretty, I don't, I don't want it to get shot. You know what I mean? I, I, it's got to, it's just, just got to be honest. Anyway, doesn't really matter. Just wanted to touch on it. Now, just a week ago or so, Russian journalists, now this one is kind of ironic anyway. They thought it would be a good idea to publish photos of the Wagner Group headquarters in Pops, Papa, <laughs> wow, Papazna. Papazna. We got it. Uh, anyway, this is a, uh, it had a sign on it, which literally included like the building's address. Well, that building was actually geolocated and hit today by Ukrainian strike. I'm clearly not going to show the images here on YouTube because the video would actually get taken down, but they are all over the internet. So if you do find it, uh, something that you're going to get excited about and you want to go see it, you can go. They're not too difficult to be fine. They're not like too, too bad, but I have also confirmed this to be, true because it came from the uh, Russian as well. I saw it on the Russian side of things. And he, he they're, of course, saying that the casualty numbers are not out yet, but the Ukrainians' joy is greatly exaggerated. So that is something to take note of. So for everybody that has been cringing at the pump to get an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anybody who buys gas, groceries, and dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. Tony, my big thing, I use it when I'm going to a gas station. Like, I want to be paid for buying stuff I have to buy, like gas. Like, it's a no-brainer. What do I plan to do with the cash back? Probably buy fishing lures. That's pretty much what it's going to, uh, that's what I do. Okay, I love the fish when I'm not making these videos. And to get started, all you got to do is download the Upside app for free. Use my promo code STTPODCAST. That is STTPODCAST and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Telling you guys right now, check it out. It'll be linked at the very top of the description. All you got to do is pay with your normal credit and debit card and you get paid in comparison to credit card rewards and loyalty programs. You can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. Yes, they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. A million dollars a week. Why would you guys want to miss out on this? Click the link at the very top of the description. Go download it. You can download it for free and use the promo code STTPODCAST to get $5 or more cash back on your very first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your very first purchase of $10 or more using the promo code STTPODCAST. It'll be linked at the very top of the description for everybody over on YouTube. And so you guys remember that at the beginning of this special military operation when Putin said that he was just going to go over and get rid of the Nazis, you know, within Ukraine. That's what he was talking about. Well, it seems like his talking pieces are now finally coming out with the honest truth about what their plans are and why they need to accomplish them. So as you guys just noticed, they have said that, well, this thing is somewhat of an idea we've, we've all known from the first place. Rich mineral deposits in good farming lands of what's inside of Ukraine. And they want to pull this under the Russian Federation. He also claims that Ukraine is going to somehow turn the area into a nuclear wasteland. You guys, you guys, 
Remember the other day we talked about this, the Zapsers here, that big, that big power plant? Well, Zelensky did come out and actually state that they were going to be targeting the Russian troops in and around their power plant because they wanted to basically warn them that they're not safe there. But in the end, the commander of the Russian military in the area, like inside that, that power plant area, he publicly stated that it will either be Russian land or this area will become a desert after literally rigging the entire plant, yes, that nuclear plant, with mines. So the Battle of Bakhmut is actually very inevitable, and it's going to be coming here very soon. I do believe so. Now, when I mean like soon, I'm talking about a week to two weeks to a month. The Russians are making very, very slow progress, but they're getting very close uh, to the eastern side of the city, which we'll talk about here in a second. There's been no real movement to speak of inside of Kharkiv itself, or really Izium, Izium for that matter. Russian forces have claimed they've taken Udi, but I haven't been able to confirm it, so I'm not going to actually annotate it. We'll see what comes of it. If anybody knows where Udi is at, that's up here on the northern side, right there. This area has been heavily contested. They've been attacking it just about every day for the last month or so without any success, so I, I think it's highly doubtful. Now, Russian element did attempt to push down through Dolnia, so we're going to shift down here a little bit south. Izium itself has been fairly quiet, the whole western side of this front. Nothing's happened, okay? Nothing nothing to speak of. Now, Russian elements, the one I'm talking about, Donia is right here, okay? Now, they've been trying to push back there, and they've actually, I think it's about a week or so, they, they haven't been able to do anything. They've been forced to retreat every single time. I actually believe there's there's a Russian soft unit that's causing a little bit of issues behind uh, the enemy, I guess the Russians behind their line inside of Izium. Now, they have lost a little bit of ground outside of Donia once again. One of the reasons why I believe they could also be somewhat stalled out inside this area is the fact that it takes so long for supplies to actually reach this area, and the routes leading in have been extremely disrupted by those soft units I've been talking about. They're working behind the lines. Now, there's this one area right here that's been causing, a lot of, causing most of the issues. For one, they can target these routes, as we know. I've said this multiple times. Uh, that, that, that's the reason why I think Izium has really, really, really stalled out. And they've shifted a lot of their stuff over to now Kirsten, which we'll talk about here in a second. Kirsten in the eastern side. Now I'm going to shift more east here. Spearn. Okay. Spearn is now under the Russian control, which is right here. Okay. This is pretty much the only advancement that's happened on the eastern side of the country as of right now. Bakhmut is coming, and that's what we're going to talk about right now. We're going to shift a little bit south here. So shifting south is where the major battle for Bakhmut is going to be taking place here very soon. The Ukrainians have put up a very stout defensive line along that southern side of the city, like coming out of the city. They've held off the Russians for like the last week or so. If you guys are new, this is the line I'm talking about. All the way through here, no movement whatsoever. One of the, the troublesome areas for the, the, uh, the Ukrainians as of right now, it's coming out of the, the, the south, I guess, southeastern side of Bakhmut. This is really the area where the Russians have been able to gain ground. And it's going to be coming out of Provorovsky, which is on the western, I guess, going, coming out of Provorovsky, going west towards Bakhmut. Like, the city will probably be one of the toughest battles for the Russians due to the terrain. Like, I know we talked about the many times, like many times, the rolling hills, the main portion of the city is actually nestled on the side of the ridgelines, which is clearly going to be controlled as of right now by the Ukrainian military. And if you guys know what I'm talking about, I will go ahead and show you guys. You guys see these little sandwich things I made right here? Those are all the ridgelines going in and out of Bakhmut. Those areas are going to be controlled by Ukrainians. Now, the Russians are starting to really ramp up their offensives, or excuse me, the offensive south of Bakhmut, which is really an area we haven't seen a lot of major battles taking place since the beginning of this war. But the last few weeks or so, last week or so, has been fairly brutal. Now, shifting out of Bakhmut, coming south, we got Avika, we got Pisky. Right now, 80% of Pisky is now controlled by the Russians. They have even started to pick up their activity on the southern front, which is literally something that's been stale over the last two months. When I mean southern, I'm talking about this entire line. All the way through here, they've been starting to actually be a bit more active. 
They are hitting hitting the, the Ukrainians right now pretty pretty hard on the northern side of Avika right through here. It's it's getting this whole area is is getting pretty hairy. Like I don't when I keep looking at the map like this, there's certain areas the Russians like start ramping up and then they start doing pretty well and then it's been slowing down. So if you as you guys can look at my map, you guys see all these little tiny blocks. These are little like different episodes that the Russians have taken like ground. And you could tell that entire northeastern side it, it took them a quite a long time to gain that chunk, and they've been stalled out for the last, like, three weeks there. We're going to move over to Kirsten. As you can tell, Kirsten Front, entirely different area. If you guys are new, it's probably one of the more interesting ones. And honestly, it's, it's starting to shift in Ukrainians' favor as of right now. The Ukrainian forces down around Kirsten have continued to distract um, and disrupt logistical routes and the supplies of the Russian forces. They have once again struck the bridge. Yes, they struck the bridge once again. Right here. This is the one I'm talking about. All right. This is a pretty big deal. This is a Nova Kokosha, uh, which was re recently just targeted just the other day, but it's now unusable by heavy vehicles. The UK Defense Ministry has also stated that the Russians have now no bridges. Yes, no bridges usable to bring heavy equipment or supplies over. And it's going to be, they're going to have to rely on that, that weird kind of like makeshift pontoon ferry that they currently have set up, which is actually going to be just outside of Kirsten. It's roughly running between the two bridges that are already blown. The real question here that the Russians should be asking themselves is what are they going to do if the Ukrainian offensive in the southern region actually happens? Because they actually seem like it's somewhat feasible. All along this main route that are leading in, the Russians have been setting up pretty heavily fortified positions on all the, on all the choke points, I guess you would say, coming into the city. They have been. They've been noted to actually be setting up supplies in these areas that are prepped and ready for the advancement that's coming. How are they going to resupply their forces with ammunition, food, and water? Furthermore, how are they going to get reinforcements into the casualties? They're going to sustain casualties. How are they going to get them in there? Like, I'm very curious how this area is going to pan out because as of right now, I could see this lasting to the winter currently, like I really could. And in Kirsten, and it would better suit the Ukrainians right now if it actually was wintertime just to be getting supplies in. And it would be much more difficult. If, I mean, think about it. The morale of the men for the Russian side would be even lower. Now, Ukrainian intel is actually just suggesting, like right now, the 42nd Combined Arms Army, which is the Russian element that's inside this area, is already experiencing a shortage on food, water, and equipment. Okay? Now, if we see an uptick in abandoned vehicles and reports that Russians are looting even more inside the area, we'll know that this is going to be true. And I would expect to see even more things come out over the next week or so because it's very apparent that Russians cannot stop the HIMARS in the area because the Russians actually fired numerous surface-to-air missiles after this, this HIMAR rounds were actually coming in to strike uh, that bridge that they went after, and they were clearly unsuccessful because the rounds actually hit the bridge. So, Kirsten... Every day is evolving. Give it another week or so. This is good. This this is going to be start becoming very apparent if they're struggling. If we start seeing those abandoned vehicles near the front lines, or if the, the they start taking more POWs in this area. Also, I I, I think with this whole southern side, this like like starting to actually come to like active. I think it had a lot has to do with it with trying to push the high Mars farther back north. I really do believe so. That's why they're having to actually start be active in this area because beforehand they never had to be. So that's one thing to keep note of. I do love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with me. I will catch you guys in another episode here later on the week. I'm going to go enjoy some time with my new wife. I'm out of here. I love you guys. I'm out.